commercial property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. Hi everyone, how are you going? Welcome to Inside Commercial Property. Phil Tarrant here, co-host. My job really is to steer the narrative, steer the discussion with someone that actually knows a fair bit about commercial property. I'm quite conscious that uh, it's still a relatively new focus of mine. Uh, I'm learning uh, along the way, but uh, I like to think I know enough to be able to host a conversation with Scott O'Neill, Director of Rethink Investing. How are you going, Scott? You Very well? well, mate. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no, it's good. How's 2021 kicking off for you, mate? Uh, it's good. Straight A's uh, come and gone. We're back into work, full swing, so... Uh yeah, it feels like we're halfway through the year already, to be honest. It's- <laughs> it feels that way. Like Christmas is a, a distant memory. And uh, I think um, restrictions are easing now. It looks like we got through this last uh, spate of spiking COVID-19 cases. And I think that's really just an insight into how 2021 is going to proceed, mate. There's going to be yes, no, borders up, borders down, localised sort of lockdowns. Uh, get used to it, Australia. Yeah, it looks that way. And yeah, the borders are open for now. Let's see uh, how long that lasts. So. <laughs> It's a bit of an interesting uh, flip of a coin if you do book tickets at the moment. So, mm. must yeah. be hard for someone doing what you do as a buyer's agent to try and plan trips to actually go and look at some different assets in different states. How are you balancing all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, we're quite lucky because we've got good networks of people. So we're really into the video walkthroughs. You know, we've got different people we can send down to different locations. Mm. So, and look, a lot of commercial property you don't really need to see it like you would with a house or you know there's some commercial you definitely have to see like imagine buying a retail center you Mm -hmm. know you want to get a feel for the foot traffic and the types of people shopping there but if it's just an industrial warehouse you know what are you going to see you're going to go there and see four walls and the rest you can see on the internet and doing your tenant research and square meter rate research and all that so Site visits are, yeah, really dependent on the property. Mm. And I guess similar to a residential property, but it's more amplified in commercial, is that it is a numbers game. It's oh, absolutely a numbers game. And uh, so most of the work you can do, you don't even need to look at an asset. You can you look at the numbers on a spreadsheet and potentially balance sheet of a business or you know some of the trading operational capabilities of that business that is the tenant of that to know whether or not, as a filter, it's even worth considering looking up uh, yeah. what the place looks like. Exactly. And we've got our local experts, like builders, that'll go down and, you know, they'll fly a drone and check the roof or, you know, get up into the cavities of the wall with moisture meters. And that is going to show you everything you need to about the building. Mm. And like you said, the rest is the numbers. Sometimes visiting the property is really just an exercise to get to know the tenant. And there's ways to get around that as well. Like, you know, you do your tenant research online through credit checks and, call the tenant up, work out, you know, who's the manager, how long they've been in business for. And sometimes a site visit, it's really just a surface thing. You know, mm. you go and see what's in the shed or what's in the shop. And, you know, I don't often think that is the uh, most important part of the due diligence. Mm. So I guess in many ways, as a, a buyer's agent who's securing commercial properties for the tenants, you're largely just a conductor of all the different bits that need to happen, you know, to paint a picture of all the different, I guess, joining the dots, you know, getting a builder up there to look at moisture in a roof or fly a drone over the place just to tick off all the different areas that need to be considered. It's really smart project management really, isn't it? Yeah. And look, it is, it's a specialised skill Mm. because there's so many little things that they can cover up. You know, we've seen, you know, handshape agreements with owners to tenants, like paying them cash amounts under the table. So you need to know what to look for in those cases. And 
sometimes the papal trails they hand you are quite murky as well. You know, there's all these little red flags. And when you've looked over thousands of deals, you get to understand that. And uh, there is a lot of uh, curveballs in this space. And mm. that is, you know, where you've got to be careful and you've really got to... Uh, You've got to have a bit of a gut feel to it uh, and comparing it to other deals that you've looked at to uh, really get to the bottom of things. So, yeah, there are challenges. Still. How murky is it? Like, is it, and by murky, you, you talk about potential skullduggery that you need to uncover as part of your due diligence of a particular asset. Is commercial property dodgier than residential property? Yeah. Murkier? Look, yeah. there's more I, I don't want to be like commercial property's dodgier. <laughs> That's not that, not the headline I want, but- Look, the thing with commercial properties, you can manipulate the values a lot through creative accounting. So yeah. if you've got an owner that is determined to boost the rent up or make the tenant lease look longer or, uh, you know, put, uh, you know, extra fit out costs in there that aren't really in there, like there's all these little curveballs in there that can be hidden in a lease. Like I said, cash payments, these things can increase the value for the sale and you've got to know what to look out for. So yes, if you do that with a house, the value is really just dictated on a comparable next door yeah. in houses and yield doesn't really come into it as much. With commercial, if you can bump your rent up 20%, then maybe your uh, actual whole value is up 20%. So there's a lot of incentive you know, for a dodgy person mm. to actually be dodgy in this space. And you know, you've got to get to the bottom of it. It is rare though. I'm not going to say it's common, but certain types of, you know, owners will definitely push the buck on this. Yeah. And, and therein lies a challenge for commercial investors. It is a very different process and discipline to investing in commercial property. And, you know, no doubt, you know, your skills are probably quite valued these days as people are considering about getting greater bang for their buck with their investments. And a lot of investors are pretty heavy in resi residential, but we've spoken about before the last podcast we did in January was how a lot of family officers now are turning to commercial property as a way to get better returns and chucking their money in a, you know, some sort of cash orientated investment vehicle, which is giving them nothing at all. But, you know, this whole idea of your philosophy towards a potential buy, do you go in there on a basis of trying to uncover dodginess or is that just part of the process that you've got a instinct or red flags that arise as part of that journey? Yeah, look, you have to. And look, where we differ, like Rethink Investing to other buyers agencies is we specialize in this. And there's a lot of buyers agents that will say they do commercial, but we have a team of four people that only do due diligence all day, every day. So they call tenants, they go through all the financials of the business, if we can get them, check proof of payment. Like, you know, there's legalities on structures inside buildings, which can increase the floor space artificially which won't show up on evaluation. So there's a big checklist you mm. go through, but every checklist is different depending on the property. So you've got to have that kind of team or if you're doing it yourself, you've got to really put in the time to check all these things because you can't just fluke it like you can with Resi as easy, you know, and just buy and hold and in time, you know, it'll all water out. Commercial has those extra challenges, but because of that, it is more lucrative when you get it right. There's yeah. no questions there. And that's the idea. It sounds like you've got a team of super sleuths sitting there like some sort of James Bond operatives going through all the, uh, you know, the dark room somewhere yeah. with a whole bunch of technology. Well, they actually annoy the agents. So I regularly get, because I deal with agents every day and they're like, oh, who's this guy? You know, he's asking annoying questions. Too many questions. Yeah. Like, so, you know, we've just got to tell them it's part of our due diligence. Just come to the party, help us out and we'll get through this. And you Does know, that make it too hard to deal with? Like, do the agents eventually just go, oh, 
at least it shows you're serious, but the agents just go, I'll sell it to someone else who's not going to ask me all these hard questions. Uh, uh, look, funny enough, it does push a couple of agents away. Look, I'm, when I say a couple, maybe 5% of agents won't mm. want to deal with that. Yeah. Because it's too many they know questions. something's on the nose and they don't want anyone, they won't have to yeah. deal with it, right? And then like like you said, they're the ones, you know, that are probably hiding something and then we don't want to deal with them anyway. So mm. like we recently had one where the agent just, like it was a guy in WA and he just refused to answer questions and we're like they're very basic ones like show us that the tenants paid you know the last few months of rent and mm. they're like they wouldn't and you know we pushed and they just got their back up and you know that was the end of them you know we can't work with that stuff so you know it does push a lot of others but everyone that gets it gets it you yeah. know this is a fact-finding mission we're not here to you know rip anyone off we just want to know every single fact on the property and that's going to be a bit more admin for them but It'll go through. Well, no doubt that's what your clients expect from you. You know, yeah. the process therein is part of the due diligence, right? The fact that you get a read on just the intent of a, an agent or a vendor to give information. I think if they're happy to do it, that means there's probably not too many dark corners in there. But you mentioned a thing that sort of triggered my attention about fluking it and you know this sort of dichotomy between residential and commercial property. I think in this current market, and let's chat residential for a while because I know you do a fair bit in that space as well, Scott. I think a lot of people are going to fluke being a good property investor over the next couple of years in residential. Yeah, look, we're in a rising market mm. and it's everything. It's due, like cash rate is at record lows, confidence is at record highs. That will equal growth all around. Mm. But it's really, uh, yeah, no, there's going to be a lot of new experts pop up in the next three years. You know, I don't think it's going to be enormous growth. You know, it's just going to be because it's been flat for a good part of three, four years anyway. So, it's a bit of catch up to play with the market and then, you know, we'll see uh, a lot of people go, yeah, I picked a hot spot and really most of Australia went up, you mm. know. So, yes, there is definitely going to be a, an easier ride for many over the next few years, which is good. And the same goes with commercial. There's a lot of commercial that will do very well moving forward, particularly because we know what didn't work last year with COVID. So, you, if you just avoid those COVID-affected type businesses and, you know, buy the ones that are, you know, going through that period strong, it's all going to be very quite easy for the mm. next few years, touch wood. So what would be the sort of the four or five things you need to get right to inverters comma fluke it in this current market around commercial lending, commercial borrowing and commercial investing? You know, much like Resi, some locations are going to perform a lot better than others, but most locations will probably perform well. So you want to make sure you've got your money in a market that's going to perform better than the other ones. What are those in, in commercial, do you think, rather than being locations is more about the type of asset? So, you know, industrial over retail, for example? Yeah, so to do well in the next few years, you want a good rental market, aren't you? So that will indicate things like industrial because overall that's a very strong tenant market. I think there's going to be good pockets of retail recover as well because retail is sort of, uh, it suffered a little bit last year. So if you buy strong retail, you know what you're going to get. So I think the next five years is going to be better than the last year at least. So it's going to be a bit of shelter there for many. Both regional and capital cities should do pretty well, with maybe the exception of CBD areas if the you know transition back into office space is slower. And look, it's it, we can. All, I'm talking to people in the office markets as well, and that's coming back on quicker than expected as well. Mm. So it's really understanding the rental markets. Buying a good established business will be another bit of a free ride because if they've done well and they've seen through this period, the next five years for business should be better than you know, again, the last year or two at least. So, and another thing is 
Make sure you don't go too low on the yield. If you buy with a high yield, within reason, don't go into the middle of nowhere to get a 10% net, but a high yield will give you room for yield compression, which is the capital growth. And that's the X factor that will really just make this commercial investing quite lucrative. And I think it'll grow quicker than residential as a whole in certain areas. It's like you're a hype man for commercial property. Every time I catch up with you to, to record inside commercial property, I just sit there and I've just got to always realign and say, I've got to prioritise more time in investing in commercial. And we will get there eventually. And uh, and I'll be happy to share that journey as well when that actually does happen, which will be at some point this year. So I watch you say, but that's a just you know a good sort of base conversation to help sort of set the scene, uh, Scott, for really where I want to concentrate this particular uh, discussion today. And that is sort of brass tack type stuff. Let's get into five recent deals so we can actually get real world examples and case studies of how you are supporting your clients investing in commercial property. As a background of, you know, it is a pretty healthy market right now in terms of property, you know, residential, commercial, they're running at different speeds and those speeds will be dependent on the type of asset and the location of where that asset lies. But it's a lot of lessons learned and a lot of lessons within residential property, which you can use to emulate success in commercial. And that's sort of like an ongoing narrative, this particular conversation. But five deals that you've recently done in this current market, not stuff that's five years old in a very different environment. We're talking about where we are right now, low interest rates, not a lot of money having, not a lot of upside investment potential in assets outside of property. I'm talking about cash. Um, you'd, you'd be you know sitting around not getting too much on that sort of stuff. And competition in this market, a lot of people, more people now are investing in commercial property. And I like to think uh, inside commercial property is just helping people. And that was part of our mission when we kicked this thing off about educating people about this market. So five recent deals, different ones. Let's kick off number one. Yeah, so where, who, where, how, when? So all these deals, you know, a good opportunity to go through what's happening in this last two months of the market. So this is so these are super recent deals. Very recent, yeah. very now type numbers. So first deal, I won't name exact suburbs for the client's privacy reasons, but we can get close. So this is in the northern Gold Coast area. So this is one of our go-to type properties. It's a small warehouse, about 150 square meters. It's yielding around 7.2. There was a two-year lease on it. So it was a freshly built one. And we only paid 360000 for this. So a very small warehouse. It had a two-year lease on it to a drone repair and manufacturing type business. And uh, they've been around for a few years. Very unique business. It sounds funny, but with these types of warehouses, we don't really care about the business because it's so easy to relet these. We're talking less than two months vacancy because there is a, such a good demand for this type of stuff. So it's low risk, 3% increases in the rent. There is, a, yeah, like I said, a, a good groundswell of tenant activity. So this is what you want moving forward because the more the rent grows because of extra demand, that's capital growth as well. We bought it at that sort of over 7% net yield, which the market cap rate for that area was around 6.5. So what cap rate is, is the average yield other properties are selling for. So if we got it at 7.2, we've bought essentially below market value. And we did this through basically securing it off market. We got it just as the lease was getting written up. So it was like a vacant shed. They wrote the lease up. We got contacted and bought it within a day. Subject to 21 days due diligence, we found nothing wrong. Something to watch out for when you buy newish buildings is the rates and leases are still in flux. They're still getting created. So we didn't know what the rates bill was until pretty much right at the end of the due diligence. So there was a bit of an assumed 
amount. So the lease had not 100% of outgoings paid. They had an estimated, it was like eight grand of outgoings being paid. So if the rates were higher, the owner would have to cop that until they redo the lease in two years' time. So great little deal, entry level. That's about as cheap as you'll get in this market. That's good quality. Next deal, this was only done a, a few days ago. We're looking at a triple income property in Rockhampton. It's got national businesses, so it's like it was you know trade link type businesses. I won't name the exact businesses because it'll be quite easy to spot. But we're looking at a 7.8% net return and uh, these triple income type properties are very popular because if you lose one tenant or even two tenants, that third remaining tenant will still be enough to cover your mortgage. So the numbers on it, you're getting about 215,000 income from this 2.75 mil purchase. So your mortgage on that, if you get a 70% mortgage at 3% per annum, which you should get less than 3% in this market, you're going to pay 58 grand in interest. 58 minus that 215, you're left with, uh, and there's a nice little uh, depreciation benefit, but you're left with about 140,000, 150,000 passive income. So that one property, even with debt at 2.75, is an instant retirement for many. Mm. So this is why when I look at commercial, why don't more people look at this? Like it's safe, national branding. They're all got five-year leases on it. You know, like you just can't really go too wrong with that stuff. And there's safety nets because you could strata title it. If you go, I'm sick of this asset, I want to sell one-third of it off, strata title it. You can get out slowly that way, but I don't think you'd need to. You just hold on release it in five years if you lose a tenant or two. Mm. So how can a deal like that go wrong? Uh, to the first one up in Northern Gold Coast, that's sort of, that's entry-level stuff, right? Yep. And can you tell me a little bit about the client in terms of their investment journey? Are they a resi type of person and their first foray into commercial? So that client was, they had a house they bought mm. and this was their first investment. So we're dealing with a lot of first-time investors now. And mm. The common, I guess, discussions we have, because like, we don't want to push them any direction, you know, because like if they're comfortable residential, buy residential. Mm. But they, when you really look at the numbers and say, look, that 360,000 property, you know, I'm using about 100 grand deposit plus a little bit of cost. You know, I'm either going to go buy a, a house in Brisbane or Adelaide and break even on the cash flow. But that thing was going to give you nearly 18, 19 grand a year passive income. Mm. So that call it $400 a week clear in your pocket. You know, that's pretty good stuff just to uh, hold a property. And then on top of that, you'll get your growth and, you know, it's just a different ballgame. So if you look at the numbers, that's what certain people will be drawn, even if it's their first investment. And um, I guess the risks with that, if it goes vacant, we're really got to go tell them, you know, what if you got two, three months vacancy? In their head, they'll go, well, it's not going to be it for at least two years because that's what the lease is. By then I'll have buffers. It's just understanding what you're buying. Mm. And, um, you know, Northern Gold Coast is a growth corridor as well. So more people are getting packed into there, into those houses. And, you know, there's always going to be another tenant in an area like that. Yeah. And then sort of, again, in, in Queensland, Rockhampton. So a triple income. So I'm picturing here sort of quasi retail industrial type of stuff. Three different incomes. So one block. How big is a sort of combined-ish sort of space of it all? So- Four and a half thousand square meters, okay. um, and about half of that is covered by building. So lots okay. of car spots. Lots of car spots. So you sort of the normal thing you would picture on a semi-industrial area or a main drag exactly. going into town, right? Yeah. Seven point eight percent net. So two hundred fifteen k 
per annum with national like you know shops so you know big big name brands it sounds pretty good 2.75 million purchase that's probably reasonably high in Rockhampton wouldn't be a lot of these assets around yeah look look you can still spend 15 20 million in Rockhampton mm. it's all building size related yeah and you just end up with more tenants and more floor space so yeah it, it is definitely high but uh like four and a half thousand square meters of main street type uh, building it, it's quality yeah and uh, you're not gonna go too wrong so how could this one go wrong let's say the economy took a massive turn and the business has started uh, closing down. You know, we've got a building material type business in there. Mm. So they're doing really well in COVID. You know, you've got a, you know, like I personally own like a paint supply warehouse and um, they've been doing better than they've ever been. And everyone's doing sort of building stuff or home renos and all this sort of thing, right? So look, what can go wrong is just downturns in the economy, but look, that would affect the whole economy. And then, yeah, look, I think this would be, I guess, more... uh, sturdy than many other types so we're not you know that's why when we do retail we're very careful of retail because mm. you know if you buy high-end fashion they're the first to go you know if you're buying a you know high-end restaurant that's when the economy turns they're the types of businesses that go first but you know in, a, in terms of like building materials you know there was a government tenant in it like there's safety in that and uh there's not a great deal that can go wrong unless it's the worst luck in the world and all three tenants go at once but yeah. i've could not imagine that happening. That happened. And so you said 215K net income. So that's after all outgoings and everything. That's money in your back pocket, right? Yeah. After And that there was 21 grand land tax on that too. So that's okay. after that. After, after all that. Okay. 2.75 million buy. And sorry, what did you say the they borrowed at? Uh, sort of 60, 70%, right? Uh, so how much cash had to go into that? Oh, so it would be... 30%. He's of, getting out his calculator now. Yeah. And it working it through it. This is... Uh, so on the fly, it's so at two seventy five thousand. Lay off for about thirty three percent or thirty four percent with the costs. Mm. Nine thirty five thousand. Nine thirty five in cash so nine, money. Nine thirty five thousand, yeah. and then you've got your mortgage coming off that. So if you've got one hundred forty thousand net income divided by the nine thirty five thousand, it's a fifteen percent cash on cash return purely on cash flow. Mm. And that's not factoring any capital growth at all. No. The if, if you get capital growth on that, it'll bump it up to about 25 to 30% return on your money. Yeah. That's not bad going. Not bad. Not it's bad. particularly because most of it's from cash flow, which is a scheduled legal payment that has to come in. Yeah. So you're kind of ruling the economy out that way. Mm. Yeah, unless something goes dire. The problem is there's everyone looking for these sort of assets these days. Yeah. yeah. And they're hard to find, but look, you know, this was this month, so mm. they are there, and um, you know, it's just a matter of uh, going through a lot of garbage to pick these ones up. Because yeah. there is a lot of garbage. Diamonds yeah. in the rough, right? That's how it all works. But uh, all right, deal number three: five most recent deals. This gives some scope for the reality on the ground right now over the last couple of months in commercial investing. What have you got for me, mate? So I'm going to go back on what I said about two months. This one's about four months old. Okay, um, so that's still pretty recent. Pretty recent. It's in South Australia. So why I'm using this one as an example is it's a 550000 purchase. Again, it's an industrial, but this is in the area where there's no stamp duty. So this has had a four-by-four-year lease to an electrical like an electrician powered type company. So mm-hmm. he's been you know, basically a trader that's been operating for about 20 years, needed the space and about 5Ks from the CBD. And these properties are so hard to find now because everyone from Melbourne is just peppering like Adelaide as well. We're finding this because, yeah, they're all investing out of Melbourne now, which we're fine. And we've got a lot of new Melbourne clients just 
seeking alternate investment options because mm. normally Melbournians are quite keen to invest in their own backyard. So similar to Sydney, but it's yeah. just more so down there. And Adelaide's kind of a, a nice bridge out where they've got that, I don't know, they're familiar with it enough and it's priced well. The yield on this was only 6%. So that's about as low as we'll go at Rethink Investing. And reason we went that low is because, yeah, look, good location, easily relet. Similar to that first option I mentioned, there's just lots of uh, tenants backed up mm. if you lost this one, but no stamp duty. So your return on equity is quite good because you don't have to cop that 20 odd thousand dollar bill at the front. And cash flow on that, even at 6% net, if you like, it was a 550, there's about 30. 3,000 net income coming through, 23,000 after all costs. That's after mortgage. The mortgage on that was only 11,500, 30% down. So 23,000 per annum passive income just for holding it. So again, great little investment, low risk, you know, 230 odd square meters of under roof space. You know, it's pretty good stuff. That's good. So I'm thinking about my, well, the Smart Property Investment Portfolio and yeah, we speak quite a lot about that on this podcast channel, this podcast network, and um, one of the challenges we have in that is a negative cash flow, right? Because you know you pay all your, it, it sits in trusts, there's a lot of trust fees, there's a lot of land tax, a lot whatever. Yeah, you know, you're talking there twenty three k net positive cash, like as a diversification play for a resi heavy portfolio. That can be a real game changer in terms of your cash position on the type portfolio, isn't it? Yeah. So. Look, and I'm a big advocate of having both resi and commercial. And mm. one of the reasons to have commercial is just to offset a little bit of your negative income from residential. Yeah. So it allows you to hold your residential a little bit more easily. And yeah, you just close your eyes to your residential, hold it for a couple of decades and you'll do well. Mm. Mix that with a bit of commercial, boost your cash flow up. You know, you need a bit of both, I think. That's the... Uh, my uh, long and short of the uh, summary of it. Yeah, and I think that's really clear and, you know, obviously frame that in the Smart Property Portfolio, which you can go and check it out on smartpropertyinvestment.com.au. But, um, you know, in that, I think by memory, every property costs us to hold a year sort of two and a half grand or three grand or something, which doesn't sound like if you've got one property you have to sort of cover three grand a year, you can live with that. But when you start getting a larger portfolio, that number starts adding up considerably, right? Yeah. You know, a couple of nice commercial properties in there would help balance out that cash position nicely. But um, anyway, for another time. So that's more of a, another entry-level type sort of investment, yeah. a bit of borrowing in it. And sort of top line, what sort of commercial lenders, they're, they're happy at that sort of 60 70% rate, right? It's what you need to sort of base around. Yeah. And look, I actually believe that particular guy did an 80% loan. Okay. Um, so they're, they're quite common. Like there are many banks that do a max loan of one mil. Mm. So, you know, that can buy you about a 1.2 or 3 mil purchase, 80% loan. So there's a few doing 75s. We always just say work off 70 because, mm. you know, you can surprise and get the 10% as a bonus. But it is very common. You just need a broker to show you the way and as long as you meet serviceability and the property's strong enough, you've got your 80%. Yeah. And lenders' appetite to commercial at the moment? Uh, Waning? Increasing. And we've just seen, I know my personal broker's just been called up to say they're now doing super loans. You know how super loans are up to 6% interest? Yeah. He's now doing 4.4s. So 75% loan in a super. Resi or commercial? Commercial. It's not bad, is it? So that's the biggest change I've heard so yeah. far. So that just makes commercial lending and super just a no-brainer, really. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what the terms are on it or anything like that, but... It's a lot more accessible, isn't it? It's a good rate. 
good number because they were having a bit of a ride the banks there's only mm. about five or six lenders in the super fund space and the what they're charging versus outside super That's rates. It's a pretty big gouge, right? You yeah. know, look, they're going to say, oh, it's about risk and this, that, and the other, but, you know, they're just having a go. Yeah. And what, you know, within uh, self managed super funds, what a lot of Australians don't understand is that it's a bigger asset class. There's more value in self managed super funds than what there is in retail and industry funds, right? Most people think superannuation is all these, you know, people, you know, retail and, and industry funds. No, most, there's more super inside self-managed super funds. Exactly right. Yeah, there's a lot of wealth in there, so hence the reason why the banks may be – yeah, there's got to be someone coming out at some point in time that really disrupt that. I reckon that's going to be the next big innovation. But, you know, the regulators sort of got a bit nervous about too many Australians buying property in, uh, or using leverage inside their superannuation to – to invest in property. So there's some pretty bad people out there mm. getting people into properties when they probably shouldn't have. So it needed some greater oversight, but it's yeah. sort of pulled it right back. But Yeah, it's know. the whole like off the plan, buy it in your super type thing. Like yeah. you can see why they've done what they've done. Yeah. Because yeah, like it was silly what people were buying into, you know, like the, the cookie cutter house in a paddock somewhere, yeah. buy it in your super. It's a great long-term investment. Like it's, it's not, especially when it's negatively geared and it's, mm you know, taking money out of your super every month. It's- That's not a good thing. So it was a bit of a gold rush there for a while, but I think everyone woke up to it. So they regulated that better, but maybe gone a bit too far outside of my pay grade to offer commentary around that. Number four of the top sort of recent deals to give investors some sort of idea of on the ground reality of commercial investing. Scott, uh, what do you got for me, mate? Yeah, so last podcast, we spoke a little bit about medical. So I thought I'd give you a good example of a medical. So Sunshine Coast recently settled last week, 2.95 mil. It's on our Facebook page. You'll actually see photos of it and all that kind of stuff, but it's a purpose-built medical facility with three tenants. The rent on it is uh, 221,000 net or 222. So so net you mean after all outgoings and mortgages? No, not mortgages. Not mortgages, it's just like a, top line outgoings. Yeah, um, He's back on his, uh, on his pocket computer 000. again doing his sums. I thought you'd have a massive super-powered calculator, mate, instead of using the old iPhone. I was actually looking for the old school scientific oh, calculator. I, I, love, I love a calculator. You can't do anything on no, these. But, but the thing is, I like when I do, I like to like tap the buttons really yeah. hard, right? <laughs> it feels better. Put all your cheat notes on the back yeah. of it. Yeah, so the yield on this medical center is 7.5. So I think we did really well on this. Like it, it was, I thought we bought it at a year we shouldn't have bought. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was sort of that pre-Christmas kind of got a bit lucky, very elderly owner, probably didn't really care about an extra hundred grand or two. I, I got the sense he was very wealthy and just selling to, you know, get rid of assets essentially. And I know the guy personally owns a lot more. So, yeah, I think we got a bit lucky and that yield was much higher than it should be. So three tenants, um, part of my due diligence was I called up each of the tenants. They said things like, oh, look, this property was purpose built for us like 10 years ago. It's only 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And they said, we love it. We're not going anywhere. They had a complaint about there's not enough car spots. You know, that was about as bad as the complaint I got. So obviously they're busy. Spoke to another guy and he's like, he was a young guy, sort of a you know allied health chiropractor style thing, and he's had four other places around. And he's said, "Look, I'm uh, you know save my number. I'm really keen to chat whenever you want. You know, just really super helpful. Was looking for another site because he was expanding. So just so much confidence. Mm. That's the good thing about medical. And normally you pay for medical. So the downside with medical properties are they can be a little bit more specialised. So if you lose your tenant, you've got less tenants to choose from because how many doctors and dentists are running around without a property Mm. so 
it's not all good, but it is if you've got secure tenants in it because they generally stay longer. They're not as P&L focused. They're just doing their own thing in their business and you can end up with very long-term tenants. And, you know, this area is across the road from a major shopping centre, so it had real good visibility from the street, corner site. I guess the only worry with medical again is, you know, just make sure the building's suitable for the people. And that's the reason we call them up. Like, yeah. is the property needing work in your opinion? These are the questions we ask. Uh, you know, how many staff do you have this time versus last year? You know, who takes over when you're on holidays? Mm. You know, what's the plan with this building? Do you want the owner to fix anything they haven't fixed? Like we just have a, literally a long chat and you'll get to know what's really going on through that. And on the Sunshine Coast as well as an, an area that should see some demographic upsides, both in terms of infrastructure, population growth. That's a real lifestyle type location as well. So you're going to get a lot of people up there who are going to get older, who are going to need medical or fit young people who want chiropractors. But okay, how much, what was the purchase price on that? 2.95. Okay, 2.95. So again, it's sort of, you know, it's not your entry level type commercial investment. And the buyer of that, was that someone who had invested in commercial previously? No, they hadn't for an investment, but a very experienced residential investor. So they're a successful business person who's obviously been around for a while investing in residential and probably similar to what you said. He was just looking to balance out a whole bunch of negative cash flow. That Mm. property after the mortgage and everything was about 160 odd thousand in his pocket. So that would cancel out a lot of negative cash flow. Yeah. So this is, you know, you're talking about two point nine five million bucks, right? To put 160 grand in your back pocket, that is for one person, it's retirement. Yeah. Like, you know, 160 grand, it's going to go some way. You're not going to be sort of flying first class around the world all day, but, uh, no. but look, it's, it's a nice- It's, it's a, a million nice, dollar um, deposit. Mm. And that's like, yes, it's a lot of money. But a lot of people have a million equity in their portfolio. Like I know many of your listeners would have a lot more than that. And um, to think, do they have 160,000 income? There'd be far less people with that type of income versus- million in equity. Mm. I'd say there'd be less people with 160,000 passive income than those with 3 million in equity. Yeah. You know, like it's there's a lot of lazy equity not working out there and that's what I guess this avenue of investing can open up. Yeah. I like it. Okay, number 5 our final one for five most recent deals in commercial. Scott. So, I thought I'd go at the higher end as well. And the reason so we've done a couple of cheap ones, a couple of ones, you know, different industries, different states. So, this one is a 6.8 mil purchase. So okay. we had to buy this. Like, And this the reason why I wanted to show this is even at that price point, it is so active at the moment. So we got presented the property off market and there was a local willing to pay cash for it. And okay. we had to act within, we had to put a seven-day due diligence clause on it. It was crazy for that type of price point. But we're up against a cash offer. We offered about 15 grand more than that other guy. So they offered about 6.8. We know the agent, they gave us a bit of an inside word, which, you know, comes with working regularly with people. And we just put a little bit more and use that seven days as quickly as we could. The reason these types of properties are so in demand now is it's the whole industrial, you know, e-commerce, the lack of effect from COVID, like it's just a strong market and people with deep pockets are recognizing that. So mm. These are just high net worth clients, a partnership. It was a triple tenancy, national tenants. They've been there for like seven to 10 years, like long term, 8,000 square meters of land, four and a half thousand of concrete tilt panel office and warehouse. Income from that, you like this number, 397,000 just for stamp duty. So Ouch. it's not a, 
you've got to pay a fair bit for that. So The governments get paid, don't they? They do, and then they'll get your capital gains at the mm. end and income tax, it's uh, land tax. That's why they want you to invest in property yeah. at the end of the day. It's lucrative for the government. Yeah. But look, income on this was 477000 There was, with the deposit, you know, and everything, it's about 2.4 mil. So mm, cash you know, money. Big money, yeah. but, you know, the type of income you're getting from that is about 340000 after costs. So where was it again? So that's Brisbane, about 15Ks out from the city. <laughs> okay, so it could be anywhere really. But uh, yeah. And what sort of asset was it, sorry? Industrial. Industrial, yeah. okay. So it's, look, middle slash, slightly, you know, inner, outer ring, whatever you want yeah. to call it. So it's in that kind of trade coast, which has just got all the big business in there. Yeah. And it never will be empty there. It's just... Solid, and that investor um, a lot more, but pretty sophisticated investor with those sort of dollars. Yeah, so that outside of super, obviously. Yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. outside super. So mm. it just shows like even the high price points are starting to get busy now, and that is under the institutional level as well. Because if you go even higher than that, it gets busier because yeah. all your all your big brands, you know, are out there just with hoovering endless up stuff. cash, yeah. and, and it's coming from overseas a lot. So that's your sort of top-end mum and dad type investor or small family office type thing. Yeah, so yeah. that's top-end. Yeah. That's sort of top-end where you'd operate as well, that sort of number? We normally go up to about 10. So we've done, you know, a couple around the 10 and we don't really go above that mm. because more people just don't want to, even if you've got like – I've got a few clients that uh, can afford to go higher than that, but they just choose to – what are the clients that you have that have that sort of money, mm. you know, just to invest in, in commercial property? Are they just sort of are they older, they're younger, they just come from backgrounds with money uh, or they just worked hard and probably got, bit, gotten themselves a few shekels? A bit like you, Phil, just got businesses and, yeah, they're- uh, no, I'm just a struggling <laughs> small businessman. <laughs> I'm not yeah. up there. Yeah, a lot of it's just uh, business money, mm. essentially. Okay. And um, look, every now and then there's like an inheritance and that kind of stuff, but yeah. it's- Generally, just people that are just successful in whatever they do. And a lot of mm. IT companies out there, that's the common one at the moment. Yeah. Old school investors that have uh, got like a lot of uh, agribusiness people. Yeah. I love, they're my favorite clients because they're just down Relax, to earth. Chill, Aussies. And, yeah. yeah. They're great to work with. And um, yeah, really down to earth. But the reason why I ask you that, and uh, you hear it sometimes, and you only need to look through the, the rich list of the financial review, whatever it is, right? Like, this, this whole mantra of make your money in business and park it in property. That's what we're talking about here. People who are, exactly. you know, using business as an enabler to generate cash flow and wealth and then put into assets for long-term generational gain, right? Like it's yeah. it's not a bad strategy. Well, like those numbers I mentioned, if you're getting 30% return on your cash passively, mm. and then remember like you'll imagine all the time you put in your business, it's a 14-hour-a-day job mm. if you're lucky and – you know, yeah, you'll make good money out of your business, but you know, the goal is to put it back into something that'll go for the next 50 years without you yeah, touching it because yeah. overall you'll make a lot more money. Well, because I'm going you know, to the sportsmen out there, like if you're an elite sportsman playing footy, you might have five years of like big checks, yep. and then after that, there's nothing. So, you've got to make sure that you use that period of time of generation of cash in order to create long-term wealth. So it's not yep. a bad philosophy to Oh, to and this on. is perfect for – and we deal with a few sports people, not as mm. many as we'd like because I think a lot of sports people get trapped into their own internal advisors yeah. and a lot of them have, you know, 
buy the off the plan stuff and you know there's a lot of I'm not saying I've had a look inside that and it's, that's a bit murky the way they get these advisors into it's flog them off yeah, the plan there's always probably. a financial advisor like standing on the sideline who's the sponsor somewhere yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so but look really it sounds cynical but uh, yeah, it does no. there's a lot but that said there's also a lot of really good advisors supporting 100%. Elite sports people. Right? But look, think about it. Like you said, they need a replacement income. Mm. You're not going to get it by buying an off-the-plan or type of property You know that's negative cash flow or even. you know This type of stuff could be a really good option for them. And yes, again, mix it with your residential, but yeah, a bit of both. That's good. Well, I've really enjoyed that, Scott. I think we've covered some pretty good ground there, five uh, recent deals. We'll even sort of cover them on Smart Property Investment as well. Go and check it out. But uh, yeah, good insights, big, good practical understanding of how it all works and the numbers that you look at. So appreciate you sharing your insights there, mate. No problem, mate. If anyone wants to find out more about these, you're happy to share more info about these. Obviously, your client privilege and stuff, but like generally, um, yeah. give some scope. What, what do people need to do, mate? Um, so just reach out to us on rethinkinvesting.com.au and look, we'll send you through examples. Look, they're not going to have the address for a client privacy reasons, but mm. you know, we're going to show you what numbers you will hit in this current market. And that was the point of today. You can still get your six and a half and above net yields in capital cities and you know, they're good numbers in this mm. market. So there's no smoke and mirrors. That's what you'll get. Yep. And that's it. So, uh, you know, the numbers are there. If you go out and find them, you can actually get a much better appreciation for how all this works. So I hope you're enjoying Inside Commercial Property. It's a podcast. I get a real kick out of doing it. It's always just perpetually just excites me around it. So as I said beforehand, watch this space. You know, I'm happy to be a real world uh, example and case study in, in how to go about doing this. And uh, hopefully I don't make too many mistakes because I'll make sure I've got the right people around me to steer me on the way. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back again next time. Until then, bye-bye.